Good morning. Sounds everybody's awake. I like it. <laughs> you know, in that song it said, "You died so I could live." Um, I think sometimes we we don't realize the the magnitude of that statement alone. Um, and and to be here today, uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else with any other people. So I'm thankful I'm here. Um, I'm thankful, and I think I say this about every time I get up here, but it is an honor for me to be here. Um, it's an honor for me. Uh, to be able to do this, for Rich to give me the chance and the opportunity to do this is something that every time he asks, I, I'm just blown away by, by that because um, I don't deserve it. So I'm thankful that he's given me the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful to be in front of you guys and with you guys. Um, you know, we've been challenged the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Jeff and, and Andy raised the bar for me, so I've got to uh, bring something today, but no, uh, you know, we were challenged by Jeff a few weeks ago to, to kind of um, get out of our comfort zone, um, and really to me what I took from that is, um, you know, when I get asked the question, why are we doing something, I have to have a real good reason for it, and that reason has to be, be built into because of Jesus. can't be just because, well, that's just the way we all, we've always done it, or um, that's just how we do it. Um, no, the reason has to be um, because we want something bigger and better in Jesus than we currently have. And it, made me, it challenged me in, in, in my ministry alone as I'm preparing and getting ready for students to come back in a few weeks. Um, they're coming back in a few weeks. They'll be here. Um, as I'm getting ready and preparing for that, um, it made me realize that, that the things that we're doing and what I'm looking at doing this next year is truly answering that question of, of why are we doing this. And it has to be rooted in um, because we're called deeper. And, and the reason has to be Jesus. We were also challenged by Andy last week, a, a dear friend of mine, and, I, and I'm so thankful um, for how our church responded in that moment because um, I, I talked to Andy quite a bit this last week about it and, and even after church was over with and, um, and he came to the house and spent some time with him and his wife Jordan and one of the things he kept saying was he was just so blown away by the encouragement that our church gave him. Um, it's not easy to come into somebody else's church and the people that you don't know and the people that you haven't been around um, and may know a few of them and preach to them and give them a message. That's not an easy thing to do, um, but I'm thankful to have a church home that, uh, that brought him in, that encouraged him, uh, that loved on him, and he saw and, and got the opportunity to love on us. Um, we were challenged in, in his sermon to, to share our testimony, um, to go out and use that testimony to, to tell others um, what Jesus has done for you. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be this long blown out thing or, or a big thing it can be um, just that one minute short testimony who you were before that moment and then who you are after and what God's done in your life and so I'm thankful for that um, you know I have to I have to brag on on you guys for a minute too um, I told this to the Wednesday night group that I that I helped lead um, in Ridge's absence I told them this last week and what I said was that as a church um, usually the norm when a pastor leaves or a pastor's out, ooh, there's the lights, all right. <laughs> I thought I was hot before, now I will be hot. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is the norm for us when any leader or a pastor goes away is to kind of just, let's take a break and let's relax and just wait till he gets back. Um, and, and I think that we've done the opposite of that. Um, we've pushed forward. Um, we've ran while Ridge is gone. Um, we've, we've made it a point to grow so that when Ridge comes back, we look different. Because I know that Ridge has spent his time in the Word. I know that he's spent time in prayer. And I know that when Ridge comes back, he's going to look different to us, too. 
And so that's a beautiful thing. That's a really, really cool thing to be able to experience as a staff. That's a really cool thing to be able to see a church do. Um, because the, the want from you guys to want to grow um, is great for us to be able to, to be a part of that and just to, to stand there and watch it. Um, I don't know that we've, I know that we haven't thanked um, enough people for this, but VBS happened a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and I want to just pay attention and, and point special attention to the volunteers that helped with it. Um, because without you guys, we, we couldn't have pulled it off. There's no way. And so, um, you know, you spending your time after working all day and then coming up here um, to spend a couple hours on some kids with some kids is, is just precious. And um, I know that that time could have probably been used somewhere else, but you saw value in what we were doing. And I thank you for doing that. Um, because not only did we see a couple dozen kids come to Christ that week, um, amen, because that is, that is awesome. Um, but the other thing we were able to do is be a touch um, for kids that may have not known Christ yet. You gave them a good picture of what it looked like to be a servant. So thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that. Um, and like I said, we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dig into the word. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here today. <laughs> Father, the opportunity that you give us to, to just worship you. Father, I pray as we look to your word that it changes us. God, that we don't just read it as words on a page, but we read it and put it into action in our lives. God, we thank you for all that you've done the last uh, couple of weeks here for us and, and just um, giving us that motivation um, to continue to chase after you. Father, I thank you for, for having a church body that sees the value in, <clears throat> in sending their pastor off to let him, let him rest and and let him get some, some re-energized and get ready and get back. And so I thank you for, uh, for a church that supports him in that. Father, we pray for, for Ridge and Tracy as they are gone. I just pray that you continue to be with them. Uh, Father, thank you so much for joining us here today. We pray all this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, nowhere in the Bible are we promised that this Christian life is going to be easy. Nowhere. Uh, in fact, um, a lot of the times the opposite is true. Um, if you look at John 16, verse 33, we're going to be in Hebrews today. I just want to take a, a stop at this for just a second. We're going to be in Hebrews, and, and I'll explain what we're going to be talking about here in a minute. Um, but John 16, 33 says this. It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you, have tri you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What Jesus is saying there to us is this, before I get stuck on this and go too long on this, what he's saying here is this, is that through me, you have the opportunity for peace. It's not found in the world. It's not found in what we do, but it's found in me. He also tells us that we don't have to be fearful. And we don't have to be fearful when we face opposition because he's already taken that for us. He's already overcome the world. That's not our job to overcome the world. Our job is to follow him. He's already done that for us. So we're gonna, like I said, we're going to be in Hebrews, um, and we're going to talk about running the race and staying in the race um, like I said, I feel like as a church, we've done this well this summer, um, and it's kind of the halfway point of the year where, where it's already going to be August in, in about a week, so that's crazy. Um, but we're about halfway through the year, so I thought it was going to be appropriate to talk about continuing to run this race of life that, we've, that, we, that we constantly have and, and how to stay in this race. Um, yes, difficult times will come, and trials will cross our paths, and often we'll be tempted to quit on God and drop out of the race. That's the temptation, is to do that. That seems to be the idea here in the book of Hebrews. 
These Christians were enduring a terrible time of trial and persecution. In the light of that, the writer is attempting to encourage these weary, hurting believers to be faithful to the Lord and continue their race. When trials come, there may be the temptation to drop out for a while and let others run for you. That's not what he's called us to do. You have to run your race. The author of Hebrews is comparing the Christian life to a race. He's not comparing it to a 100-yard dash or a quick sprint. He's not saying it's going to be easy. He's not saying it's going to be fast. What he's talking about is a marathon. That's going to take endurance and going to take preparation. This morning, I want to help you stay in the race. I want to share some steps that are given in these verses that will help you and help me to stay in this race that we're running. As I said earlier, I feel like this is something we've done well and something that we can continue to do. And God has given us the ability, and if we continue to look to him, we can do it well. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're currently dealing with. I know if there's pain, and I know there's suffering, and I know there's things that are, that are tough, but I also know there's joy on the other side of it because he's promised us that. Paul says something to Timothy um, before, we, before we get in, into too far into Hebrews that I want to point out. It's 2 Timothy, 2, or 2 Timothy 4, um, verses 6 through 7. And just so we have an understanding of, of what it looks like, and I want to point this out because I want us to understand what it looks like at the end of the race. I want us to understand before we get into Hebrews to talk about this race, I want, to understand, I want us to look at an example of what it looks like at the end of it. See, Paul, at this point in his life, is coming down to the end. He knows that he doesn't have much longer left on this earth. He knows that his time is, is, is almost gone. And he's talking to Timothy, somebody that he spent probably more time than anybody with, somebody that we are able to look at this example of discipleship in Paul and Timothy and see that um, Paul's not only discussing the good things with Timothy, he's not only telling Timothy all these good things and putting this blind over that it's all going to be easy, but he's telling Timothy the tough things too. So he tells, he tells Timothy here in verse, we'll start in 6 and I want to read to 7. It says, For I'm already bo- being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So he's telling Timothy, I know that it's almost over. But then he finishes with this with Timothy. He tells him, He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and more importantly, he's kept the faith. So he's telling Timothy here that it is a race, but it's all worth it. It's all worth it because of Jesus. See, Paul's life was so radically changed by what Jesus did to him, and so radically changed every day by what Jesus was actively doing in his life, that it didn't matter that he was about to leave. That all that mattered was Jesus. I think these words are, are words that all of us should strive to want to say one day. That no matter what we were faced with, no matter how hard the trials were or the things were in our life, we should want to say that I finished the race and I've kept the faith. It's something we should all strive to want to say. I want to get into Hebrews, but before I do, I want to kind of give, explain to you why um, this came to my mind um, and why I wanted to do this. Uh, this verse holds a very special meaning in, in my life. Um, a couple years ago when we were in Norman uh, at the church, the first year that we were, we were getting ready to, uh, as we were starting the church, the first year we had the opportunity to go on a mission trip um, to Memphis. And um, on this, this mission trip, we were really excited because 
Man, we, we, we had like 50 people in the church and like 30 of them were going on this mission trip. So we were really pumped. We were really excited about it. And um, we were going to go serve at a few churches and, and build some stuff for them and help them out and just, just love on them. And uh, the requirement, one of the requirements to go on this trip was to memorize Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So as we're memorizing this verse and getting ready for it, in fact, you had to, before you could get in the car, we carpooled. Before you could get in the car to go on the trip, you had to tell everybody in the car this verse. You couldn't just go. Uh, you couldn't just say, oh, I'll get it later. And sometimes during the trip, somebody would call you out and ask you, uh, hey, what's that verse? And you have to say it. So we really had to memorize this verse. So I drove to Memphis a little bit later than everybody else did. And so the whole trip there, I'm thinking about this verse, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I'm thinking about um, this race we're running in, the way that I've got to throw off the things that are holding me back, the way that I've got to throw the sin off, um, and I have to endure. Little did I know that within the first 20 minutes of being there, that probably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me in my life happened. <laughs> and my first thought was like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> I don't want to be in Memphis anymore. Um, I came, they don't want us here, let's leave. Um, but I was reminded of this verse <clears throat> and reminded of the life of Jesus. Because in verse 3, it talks about what he had to face. In verse 2, it talks about the joy that was set before him. I knew that the opposition that we were facing when we got to Memphis was um, going to be difficult because it showed itself right there. But the problem was Satan didn't know that we were stronger than that. And so that whole week we leaned on this verse through all the things that happened and all that. So any time that I go through trouble or any time that there's something going on that, that's difficult or that's hard, this verse just pops in the back of my head. And so it's a very powerful verse to me. So let's go ahead and read Hebrews 12. And we're going to do read 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. There's a few steps we must take in order to stay in this race, and that's what I want us to focus on today, is how do we stay in this race of life how do we stay in this race as believers to continue to encourage and grow and encourage others as we do so? The first step we must do to stay in this race, and more so to run this race well, is this. We must consider the saints. We must consider those that ran before us. It says in verse 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, as the author begins the chapter, he draws our attention back to chapter 11. So chapter 11 is known as the heroes of the faith chapter. The author talks about quite a few um, people that, are, that were Christian believers that ran this race that we're talking about. So he set this up to where, hey, I'm giving you the way to run it. I'm showing you what this looks like. These people are the great cloud of witnesses that surround us as we run the race. There's also witnesses here. But I want us to focus on the ones that have ran before us, the ones that have finished the race there's three truths about these witnesses that can give us encouragement as we run the race. The first thing is this, is they've run their race. They've run it. They were people who ran their race that they had been given. They didn't run it perfectly, but they ran 
and they did not quit until their race was finished. They endured unspeakable pain and suffering, still they ran. Now they are seated in the grandstands observing the race that we're running today. In doing so, they stand as an encouragement, but also a challenge to us and an example to us. See, the, the, the thing about looking to them is this, is they were human just like we are. Jesus is a, the perfect example, but we have an example that was on this earth, human just like we are, that make mistakes just like we do, that sin just like we do, that ran this race before us. These people could run their race and so can we. None of them were extraordinary, but the things they were is they are faithful and they're obedient. They were merely common men and women who evidenced a profound faith in God. If they could live and serve for the Lord, or serve the Lord, then I can as well. The next thing we have to look at as we consider the ones that have run before us and consider the saints is this, is they've received their reward. These people ran their race and now they're able to rest in the Father's presence. Because they ran well, they have received their reward. Their prize is theirs because they ran, and they ran well. When the race is over, we'll go to be with them too. This should give us encouragement to run for the Lord, to know that we have a place with him for eternity. Remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 and 7. I want to read what he said to Timothy after that in verse 8 because I think it's really important to point out that he didn't just say part of it to Timothy. He told him the whole thing. And in verse 8 of 2 Timothy 4, he says this, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but listen, also to all who have loved his appearing. See, Paul's telling Timothy something very important here. What he's telling him is this. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells him, what you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust faithful men to teach others also. Paul is teaching and telling Timothy here that, listen, what I'm telling you is not just for you. It's for all the believers. And you need to continue to tell others. And you need to entrust reliable men to teach others also. To know that this race is going to be difficult, this race is going to be hard, but there's a reward for you afterwards. And because Jesus went first, we're able to follow. The last thing that they have done for us that we need to look at as we, as we consider the saints is this, is maybe the most important aspect of this, is they've revealed that God is reliable. The greatest encouragement we can derive from these saints is the fact that they're proof positive of the reliability of the Lord. God took care of them, honored their faith, sustained them, kept them, use them, bless them, and got glory from their lives, he'll do the same for your life and for mine. When the Bible calls them witnesses, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're just constantly watching us. That's not what he's saying here, necessarily. That may be true, but that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. It means that they're witnesses to the faithfulness of God. What it means is they ran their race, and so can we. God will be with you just as he is with Moses, Abraham, David. As you're running, as life gets difficult, as it gets hard, as it feels like it's just never ending and this marathon is a long ways, find comfort in knowing that he's right there with you because he's promised that. He's never leaving us.
Hebrews 13, 15 tells us that God is absolutely dependable. Or 13, 5, excuse me. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The next thing we must do in order to stay in the race is this, is we must consider ourselves. What are we doing? How are we running this race? What are we looking to? First thing we must do is we must make proper preparations. When there's a race to be run, the wise runner must make careful preparations. Let me give you an example of this. When I went to um, college to play golf at LCU, I was so excited because, man, I get the opportunity to play college golf. Like, this is what I've worked so hard for for so long. This is the dream that, God, that, I get to, that I get to live out, that I get to play. And I was so excited to go. So what I said to myself and what I did was I said, I'm going to prepare better than I've ever prepared before. So when I show up that first day, nobody can beat me on the golf course. I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'll work till the sun comes up, until the sun goes down on my game. That's what I'm going to do. I ignored what everybody else was doing, what everybody else said. I didn't go out and have fun. That's all I focused on was that because I didn't want to squander the opportunity that I had received. What I failed to ignore was the email that my coach had sent me uh, beginning the summer talking about conditioning <laughs> for the year. Because I thought, hey, it's cough. I don't need to get ready for anything. So I showed up the first day, and we have a meeting before, on the Sunday night before school starts Monday. And he tells us at 6 p.m., I remember he's talking through the whole meeting. At the very end, he tells us this. He said, I hope you've been running. Because tomorrow morning, we're going to have a test. And if you don't run under this, run a mile in this amount of time, you're not on the team. Corey hasn't run that far in a long time. <laughs> so Corey was surprised also when he told us we're going to be running three to four miles every morning. And I hadn't prepared for any of it. Luckily, I ran it under that amount of time because I thought, I'm just going to run as hard as I can. If I die at the end, I die at the end. That's it. <laughs> like, at least I gave everything I had. But see, it, it is funny, but the problem is I didn't make the proper preparations I prepared my game. I prepared for that, but I didn't make the preparations that were expected of me to make. I made what I wanted to do. I did what I wanted to do, not what I was asked to do. That quickly changed over time. Um, the same is true in a spiritual race as well. We'll never reach our fullest potential for the Lord until we're willing to make preparations and sacrifices that are necessary for running the race. How do we do that? It tells us right there, in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, how do we make proper preparations? The first thing is we lay aside every weight. We lay aside all weights. We must lay aside anything that hinders us from our walk with God. It speaks of the things that are innocent in and of themselves, but when they start, they, they start keeping us from following Christ, and they start keeping us from, from keeping pace and running like we should be running, we need to throw them off. They must go. The list of these things could be endless, but a few of them are this, and I want to give you a few examples. First thing is seeking entertainment instead of fellowshipping and communing with God. What do you do to start your day? Are you like me sometimes where first thing I do is reach for my phone and scroll and see what's going on on Facebook or turn the TV on and mindlessly watch the TV? Or do you spend time with the Lord? Because my game plan is not going to come 
for the day is not going to come from an inspirational quote on Facebook. My game plan for the day and how I'm going to prepare for the race today is going to come from God and spending that time with him. As much as, it, as I want to just turn the TV on and watch it, the last couple of days have been pretty bad. Ask Crystal because the Open Championship is on and it's on at 4 o'clock in the morning and I want to get up and watch that first thing. Um, so that's been difficult. But how do you spend the first part of your morning? How do you spend the first part of your day? Second thing is, are we seeking possessions and things of the world instead of seeking God? Are we trying to get a bigger house, a better car, more money, a better job, more income? Or are we seeking out the things that he wants for us to do? Are we willing to take the sacrifices that he's asking us to take in order to grow, but also in order to have others see what that looks like? Because remember, it's not just about us either. And the last thing is, are we giving our attention to things like music, TV shows, movies that do not focus our minds on the Lord? In short, this refers to anything that does not build us up or make us stronger in the Lord. What I mean by that is this. Am I putting things inside of myself, in my mind? Am I watching things? Am I reading things? Am I listening to things that are just junk? That have no benefit to anybody, but just bring me down. Because at some point, what's coming in is going to come out of me. What's going in, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, is going to come out of my mouth eventually. So I need to focus on what the good things that can go in. And that's a way that we eliminate some of the weights that are in our lives. Anything that does not build us up in the Lord is a weight and a hindrance that should be removed from our lives. We also must lay aside all sins. Next, the author encourages his readers to get rid of besetting sins. This refers to sins which cling to, distracts, and entangles and trips the Christian runner. The picture of this, and I want to give you a visual of what this looks like, is this. is Imagine a runner um, that is dressed in the long flowing robes of the day running a race, pretty easily tripped up, pretty easily tripped up. So it's not the things that, that pop up every once in a while, it's the things that are right here, that we're just looking past to keep running, because hey, I'll get to that later, I don't need to deal with this now, I can deal with this later. And B, there are many sins that, we could, be, that could be mentioned at this point, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But the idea of this verse is what is that particular sin which trips you up? You know where you're weak. You know the sins that don't tempt you at all. You know what does tempt you. And it's probably something different, maybe something the same that, uh, that does that to me. But each individual person in here has a different sin that is, that's tripping them up as they go. And we have to be willing to throw those off. What sins do you have in your life that you need to throw off and what sins in your life easily entangle you? It's a tough question. And it's hard to answer that honestly and it's hard to, to have that conversation with yourself and do that honest assessment in my life of what, am I, what is easily throwing me off of this. Why am I just not getting this fully? The next thing we must do is we must run with patience. Here's a picture of a runner settling in for the long haul. It's not a picture of him sitting back and waiting to see what will come our way in, the li in our life. It's an action word. It's an active word that speaks to a person who has a spirit in him that stands up and faces the trials of life, and he goes forth and runs through the trouble. He conquers it, overcomes it. Listen to this. He overcomes it, but not through his own power and not because I'm running. 
but through the power of the Lord. He's so dependent on the Lord that that's what's going to help him overcome it, not himself. He's able to face the trials because he knows the Lord has brought it to him for his own good and for God's glory, more importantly. Because everything that I do, everything that I want to achieve and want to do has to be for his glory. It can't be for myself. I can't run the race well because I want to run the race well. And it's for me so that everybody can see me. No, it has to be so that people see Christ in me, that I run the race well. Notice the wording in verse 1 says the race that is set before us. This challenges us to remember a few things. This, we must remember that we each have our own race. That is, you can't run in my lane and I can't run in yours. I'm convinced that the cause of Christ has been hindered because people won't run in their own lane. They're more concerned with running in everybody else's lane than they are with running their race. Second thing is, we're not in competition. We're on the same team. And my job is not to outrun you or run faster or run better than you do. My job is to run the race to the best of my ability because Jesus gave it to me. Not because I want to compare myself to what everybody else is doing, but because I want to run my race for him. And lastly, our course has been individually designed. The race you're running has been prepared just for you. The best thing you can do is run the race to the best of your God-given ability. Not to look around and be concerned with what everybody else is doing, but run yours. And the last thing we must do when we consider ourselves is this, is we must guard our priorities. Verse 2 tells us that we are to, to run looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Plainly put, that means we're to use Jesus as our focal point while we run the race we've been given by God. You see, he ran his race and he ran it well. While we run, we must not look to other runners because that creates distraction and that creates defeat. We must not look at our circumstances. Doing so will cause distraction and defeat. Our eyes are to be on the one who started us on the race and the one who's going to greet us at the end of it. Our primary duty while we run is to look to him. Anything less will spell disaster for us. So are you looking at others more than you're looking to Jesus? Because they aren't the answer he is. And this leads me to the last point. One that I think we need to focus on just for a second. Is we must consider the Savior. Verse 2 and 3, as we run, it talks about that. As we run this race and look to Jesus, the author goes on to tell us several things about the race that Jesus ran. And we are to look to that and help us as we run the race we've been assigned. So first thing is, consider his race, the race that Jesus ran. It was a hard race, began in poverty, and ended with pain on the cross. His was a race that led him around a track lined with hatred, bitterness, opposition, and a desire to see him dead. His was a race that set the perfect example of how a race should be run. His was a race in which he never faltered, he never lost sight of the goal, and he never quit running until it was achieved. When you feel like quitting, when you feel like it's too hard, just look to Jesus. Look to his race. Look to what he did for you and for me. The next thing is, is to consider his reasons why he ran the race he did. 
The Bible tells us here that Jesus ran for the joy that was set before him. Where's joy in going to the cross? Where's the joy in being rejected by the people you love? Where's the joy in dying like a common criminal? See, that's what all we see. That's what we see because that's what we see in our lives. We don't have the ability to look past that. But the joy that Jesus is talking about, for Jesus, the joy was in what would happen when he finished his race. For him, the joy was the day of redemption that would bring salvation to all believers. That was the joy for him. That's why Jesus ran. He is able to look past the cross. He is able to despise the shame, and he is able to think beyond everything he'd be called upon to do. And all that he would face in the world, he is able to look past all of that and see you. It's the gospel. Jesus ran this race of life. He came down, and he was put on a cross for our salvation for our sins. He was able to look past the pain that he was going to feel. He was able to look past at the grief he was going to face. He was able to look past the separation he had from his father to say it's worth it because of them. Not for himself, but for them. It's worth it. He ran his race for us. We are what motivated the heart of the Savior to go to the cross and die. We need to come to a place where we're able to look beyond the situations and the circumstances that we face in our life and envision the day that we too will be home with the Savior. Next thing we do is we must consider his reward. Jesus ran well, and when he finished, he sat down with the Father in his throne. You see, Jesus knew where he was headed. That made it a little easier for him to run the race. The same is true for you and me. When we're able to get a heavenly vision, it makes the race more bearable. A guy that had a deep impact on me and some people in here, as well as countless others across the country that were in college at the time or even past that. His name was John Randalls, and he used to say this. He used to say, know who you are, know who you serve, and know where you're going. Jesus knew that better than anybody. He knew that better than any of us. But we need to focus our minds on that. And lastly, we must consider his resolve. In verse 3, it tells us that Jesus endured to finish his race. Not that as the race went on for Jesus, it got easier. No, he endured. And it talks about that. He endured until the end so that we might be saved. He stands as our example. Therefore, let us run with patience the race set before us. You see, Jesus has already been around the track. That is why he's able to help us as we run. He's been there. He's done this. Hebrews 4.15 says this to give us this example. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So today, as you leave here, and as we work on this life, and how do we live this even better? How do we live for Jesus even more? We can look to the example of Jesus of how he ran his race. We can also look to the example of the heroes of the faith that came before us and how they ran the race. We can look to the example between Paul and Timothy of what discipleship looked like. Was that I'm not just telling you these things, I'm not going to experience this race and I'm not going to let you see my race just so you can see it. I'm going to let you see my life so that you can tell others also. I'm to let my testimony 
be part of your life as well. I'm going to share part of me with you. So Jesus is our perfect example of how we run this race called life. So as we leave here, remember that truth. Remember that he walked before us and he did it for us. He looked past the cross for you and for me. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've done for us, Father, for, um, for the times that you have, have sacrificed so much for us. Father, I thank you for the example that you give us of just normal men and women that had a great faith and were obedient. God, I pray as we leave here that we are challenged by this word today. Father, that we're challenged to go out and tell somebody else about what Jesus has done for them. Father, that we, we look for the opportunity to follow you, follow you closer. That we don't look for opportunities to get out of this race, but we look for opportunities to stay in it. Father, I pray as, as, as we leave that we continue to make preparations of, of how we're going to continue to run. Father, I, I know and understand that the only way that we run this race is because of you. The only way that we have the endurance, the only way that we have the fortitude, the only way that we're able to do it is because of you. So thank you for that. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know where you're at today in your race. I don't know if you're wearied or tired, but I hope today was an encouragement for you. To know that no matter how long this race is, we have the perfect example of what it looks like to run it. Maybe you're here today and you haven't began that race. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're just running. Maybe today's that day that that changes for you. Maybe that day is, today is the day that you say, okay, I'm jumping in on this. I can no, I can no longer do it on my own. I have to look to him. Maybe you need to join this body of believers to help be encouraged, but also to be an encouragement. And maybe today's that day where you say, all right, I'm going to join up with this family and I'm going to call them mine. It's a good one to be a part of. Trust me, it really is. Maybe you're just here today and you just, you're just tired. You're just tired of the race and the world's beating you down. Use this time, use this moment, use this altar for a time to give it to him. And to say, I can no longer carry this, so you're going to have to carry my burden for me because he wants to for you. He wants to carry whatever's going on in your life. He wants to take whatever pain you're feeling. He wants to take it for you. So allow him. So use this moment, use this time for that purpose.